We're in Psalms 143 this evening. Uh, next week, we'll have the joy to have Brother Lindentine with us. But I want to share with you tonight a little bit about the will of God, God's revealed will, and which is generic for everybody, and God's plan, which is customized to you and I. And I want to speak about that tonight. We, our theme this year is Thy Spirit is Good. We're looking at Psalms 143. Let's look, if you would please, at it. We'll read the entire chapter, though that would be a great thing to do. Uh, maybe when you go home this evening. But let's look at verse number 4. Therefore is my spirit, what? Overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I'm kind of myself very barren. Sometimes if you keep living, you're going to go through times where your spirit is going to be barren, dry, uh, and quite frankly, overwhelmed. It's very normal for human beings that live in a sin-cursed world to go through seasons where you just... You feel overwhelmed. Now, Psalm 61 says, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. But he says this, the psalmist says, Man, my heart, my spirit is overwhelmed. And I'm desolate inside. I just feel very barren, very dry. It's not that, it's not that good season of my life. And you're going to have that sometime. The psalmist says he does have it here. Verse number 5, I remember the days of old. And I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. So whenever you find seasons of desolation, seasons of barrenness, seasons when you're overwhelmed, he says, I muse, I consider, I think about what? The works of who? God's works. God's works in our life. You know, sometimes when you get overwhelmed, you can't think of a single thing to be thankful for. But that's a good time to begin thinking about how good God has been. He can, first of all, look into heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God, and His firmness showeth His handiwork. Day into day, utter its speech, and his, he, there's no place where His voice is not heard and his, his view is not seen. Boy, people who don't speak English and maybe live in Papua New Guinea can look into the heavens and say, I know there's a God up there to make that. We can see the creation speaks of God. Our conscience speaks of God. But, but measure, uh, measure and think about, ponder some things that, uh, that God has done, not only in creation, but in your life. How many can think of some things that God has done in your life that just really are very special? Brother Roy was just weeping today whenever he got a chance to see Brother Randy because I went to see him last week, and they, the doctor said, I don't think he's going to make 24 hours. And and now to see him talk and laugh and enjoy that was a wonderful blessing. Pastor, I don't know when I have been more happy to see God's hand at work in our, in our friend. We love that. Well, that's one thing, but there are many other things we can praise him for, especially in times when our heart's overwhelmed or our spirit is desolate. Verse number 6, I stretch forth my hand to thee, my soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land sealer, or think about it, ponder it. Verse number 7, read this with me, would you please? Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit. Hide not thy face from me, lest I go down into the pit. He says, my heart is, my spirit is overwhelmed. Verse 4, verse number, verse number 7, what does he say about his spirit? It faileth. Yeah, he says, I just, I feel like it's broken. The broken spirit. Let's continue on if we can, please, in verse number 8. What's the response to a broken spirit? Would you read verse 8 with me? Cause me to hear thy in the morning, for in thee do I trust. 
for I lift up my soul unto thee. He said, boy, when you have a, a spirit that fails, when you have a spirit that is overwhelmed, consider the works of God. Whenever you have a spirit that faileth, it's kind of broken at the time, he said, look, I, at, Lord, help me to see thy loving kindness and lead me in the path that I should go when I'm broken. Well, when you're broken, one thing you and I need desperately is help. <laughs> we need help. We need someone to, to monitor to us. I was talking to, we've been praying for Miss Elaine Rikus, and, and uh, she is uh, her dad. And Brother Mike, our usher, has been trying to help her just to get healing. She's doing some better. We praise the Lord for that. But she's had to be sometimes carried from place to place because she doesn't have the physical help. Her body is broken at the present time, and she needs the help of another. Well, when our spirit is broken, we need the help of God. We need to consider his loving kindness. Look at the next verse, 9. And it says, Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Here's our theme verse, verse 10. Read it with me. Teach me to do thy, for thou art my God. This is a great verse. I love this verse, Psalms 143, verse 10. I hope you'll underline it or you'll put a star beside it or maybe highlight it. Maybe put a place that is something you ponder. Teach me to do thy will. And thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. I want to speak to you this evening a little bit about things we know that are the will of God. Now, we could probably find many things like this in the Bible, but I want to share with you five things that I know are the will of God. God has revealed his will to mankind. Now, the will of God and the plan of God, and many times people say, Pastor, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. And I know what they mean. They're asking, what is God's plan for my life? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to serve the Lord? Uh, uh, should I do this Sunday school class or this Sunday school class? What is the plan? Should I take this bus route? Should I go to the mission field? The plan of God, the plan of God is very customized for you. And God's plan for me is customized for me. That's very specific. Because God made you. The Bible tells us we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are God's work, and that my soul knoweth right well. So boys and girls, there is something God wants to do with your life. I love seeing, when we last Wednesday night, we had people climb up on this platform who had surrendered to world evangelism. And Peter, he decided that night right there at the altar, and the next day he let me know, Pastor, I, or that night I have surrendered to world evangelism. But it was a wonderful thing. Those are specific plans that God has for their life. I saw Thomas Menense. And Thomas, how old are you? Nine years old. He came up on the platform. And God has a specific plan for Thomas. It's very different from Jason Schatz or any of his kids right there. Or Moses or Anna here in the front. Uh, each of them have different, different, different gifts. Now, the plan of God is very customized based upon... You and your gifts, your strengths, your yieldness to the Lord. But the will of God, in my opinion, is very the same for everybody. The revealed will of God, there are certain things, and I know, I know there's five of them. There are probably more of them, and you can find more. Let me know what they are. But there's at least five things I know that God has revealed and says, John, this is the will of God. And it's the same for me as it is for Thomas or Jim or David or Ron or, or uh, whatever your name is and wherever you are. It's the same if you're a man or you're a woman, if you're young or old. There are five things I know that God's very clear about and says, this is something I will for you. 
Let's look at those five things real quickly. If you would, please, first of all, t- take your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter. It's in the back of your Bible, the book of 2 Peter. I'm going to ask you to look up several verses, so if you would, please, be ready. Get your Bibles on your laps and ready to go. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. The first thing that I know is God's will is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number, number 9. Let me have all the men read it with me together. If you're a man, read verse number 9. Are you ready? The Lord is not slack concerning, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So here, what word do you see that talks about the will of God? Willing. God is not willing that any should what? What does perish mean? Die physically? means to die eternally. God does not want people to go to the lake of fire. You find the word perish in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that whosoever believed in him should not, and he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish. Uh, the Bible tells us in John chapter 10 and verse number 29, or 28 and 29, it reminds us that my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So one thing I know God's will is that if you're here and you're not sure you're saved, God wants you to be saved. God's will is that every human being would come to repentance, would change their mind about their sin, about God's Son, and accept His gift of eternal life. That's what God's will is. He says, I don't want anyone to perish. If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven, you need to know that if you go to heaven, you'll go to heaven unsaved. I mean, sorry, if you go to hell, you'll go to hell unsaved, but you will not go to hell unloved. You'll go to hell against the will of God. He wants you to be saved. But there's one more thing. If you're a Christian, you say, well, man, I'm, I've got the will of God. I'm saved. How many could, if I sat down with you, you sat down with me, you could tell me when you got saved. You could say that. You could tell me a testimony. If I had you come up here, you could give a testimony when God saved you. He took your son, your sin, and you took his son. Well, that's when you got saved. So it's not the, it's not the end of the story. So if God's not willing that I would go to hell, he's also not willing that anyone else would go to hell. So God's will is that we be saved. Number two is we be soul conscious. He wants you and I to care about others. Why in the world would you pass out a gospel tract for Easter? Why would, you, why would you, you be concerned about your neighbor? Why would you go to your friends and invite them to come on an Easter service? Why would you go canvas areas around our, our community that Brother Abdel is going to give us to canvas? Why would you do that? Because God is not willing that any would so God's will, number one, is that we be saved and soul conscious. Let's look at another passage of Scripture, if you would, please. We're in, we're in 2 Peter. Let's go over to 1 Peter, can we please? It's not the order I normally give it, but it will be easier for you to find, I think. 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. Here's the second thing I know is God's will in, in this passage, real close to it. Let's look, if we can please, at verse number 13. Verse 13, and well, I'll read verse 12. Having your conversation or the way you live honest among the Gentiles, people who are not Christians, in context, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, unsaved people will say negative things about Christians, they may by your good what? How you behave yourself, what you do, 
which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of what? All right, let me just say, let me just break that down real quick for you. He says, look, have the way you live, your conversation, be so pure and so clean that when unsaved people who normally criticize Christians have really no evil thing to say of you, there's really nothing they can say negative, and they will glorify God on the day of visitation. What do you think the day of visitation is? Yeah, I think you could say when the Lord comes back, but I think oftentimes it's when God's Holy Spirit visits them to be saved. You know, I have oftentimes, I've been witnessing to hundreds of people like you have, but sometimes I'll witness to someone and they will bring up a guy at work that used to talk to them about this. They'll say, my grandmother used to say this stuff to me. I went to a Sunday school one time. Some people picked me up on the bus. And they'll go back to a Christian somewhere in their life that lived it out in a very holy, righteous way. The Bible, that's why, listen, you, you, you can't just drive like you want to drive. Uh, you can't just speak like you want to speak. You can't just be the, the customer you want to be. You can't just go to a restaurant and act the way you want to act. No, you can you can't just live out, work however you want to work at work. You can't just you can you can do however you want to do, but you're not going to do it without uh, affecting someone's gospel reception. When God visits you, when God visits that that person, oftentimes they're going to think about me and they're going to think about you. Look at verse thirteen. Here's the context. Here, would you look at verse thirteen? What's the first word you see? Submit yourselves unto every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be as the king is supreme, whether it be the, pre, the, the, the supreme uh, king or president or prime minister of your country, or unto governors of your states or local areas, and to them that are sent by him for the punishment of the doers, the police officers, and for the praise of them that do well. Now, once you look at verse 15, read it with me. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So the Bible tells us, I want you to learn to be a submissive to God and the authorities in your life. Rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. He'll talk about it here, about servants who are working for, for, for masters in the slave environment of the Roman Empire. It would be a guy working for a boss today, equivalent. In chapter 3, he talks about a wife submitting to her husband, playing her role in her home. He'll talk later about children. He'll talk about the older or the younger submit to the older in chapter 5. One thing about 1 Peter, and now Peter, of all people to write this, now Peter was a hard head. Peter didn't like to be told what to do. But we find that he's teaching his main, his main theme in 1 Peter is going to be suffering and submission. You can't get away from it. And here he said, this is the will of God, that you learn to be submissive to God and his authority. And most of us, we're naturally rebellious. We're naturally, we got our own ideas. What we want is what we want. But the Bible says the will of God is that we be a submissive spirit, whether it be, the, whether it be to the president. And now you, we know this, there are some things between if it's God and it's man, we owe we God gets the, he trumps man. 
We understand that. But most of our arguments are not over that. Most of our issues are not between God and man. We already, God's already told us what to do. It's the boss at work. It's the husband at home. It's the dad and mom. It's the teacher at school. It's learning to submit to these God-ordained authorities. We know this will of God. So first thing I know is the will of God, as we saw there in 2 Peter chapter 3, is God's not willing that any would die and go to hell, that people would be saved, and that saved people would be soul-conscious caring about getting people to the gospel. Number two is it would be submissive to God's ordained authorities. Would you please, if you would please, go and look to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter 12. These are classic verses in the scriptures. Romans chapter number 12. Verse number one and two. Very, this, this whole chapter. Boy, if you, get, if you could live one chapter of the Bible, this would be a good one right here. Chapter 12 of Romans. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, verse 1, he's talking to Christians, and he's begging them, by the mercies of God, now the criteria of, of doing this is because God's been good to you. How many, how many can say God's been good to us? He's been merciful. So he's talking to us. Because of his mercies, we should present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your, is it really hard to serve God? Is it just not fair to serve God? Not according to that verse. It says, it's a reasonable thing. <laughs> if he would die for me, I should live for him. If he sacrificed for me, I should be willing to sacrifice for, and be inconvenient and uncomfortable and maybe not always logical, but still do what God wants me to do. Now, let's look at verse number tw verse 2. Let's read it together. Are you ready? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect here we find the will of God is mentioned. And the will of God is that we not be conformed to this, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, thinking differently than this world thinks. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, love not the world. He's not talking about the globe that we saw up there. He's not talking about the people. He's talking about the system. The enemy of the soul is the, is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the world is one of those. And the world has a mantra. It has a way that it operates, an M.O. He says, I don't want you. James 1, verse 27, he says, look, if someone will get in a love affair with the Bible, they love their Bible, they will bridle their speech, they will become generous and benevolent in their spirit, and they will be blameless in their separation, the world will not spot them. God wants you in the world, but he doesn't want the world in you. John chapter 17, the Lord Jesus, when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, that final prayer, he said, Lord, he said, Father, all those you've given to me, because I want you. I don't want you to take them out of the world, but I want you to keep the world out of them. I don't want them to think worldly thoughts. I don't want them to act the way the world does. I don't want them to respond the same way that the world does. I want them to be distinctively different. This topic has to do with separation. Now, oftentimes, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, King James only in America here, churches like ours get kind of a bad rap because we are too strict. And they oftentimes will say you're legalistic. And we do have our share of some people who think if they do certain things, they're spiritual. Now, spirituality goes beyond what you do. I think you ought to dress pure. I think you ought to dress with distinction. You ought to dress with modesty. You ought to dress, and I'm talking about men and women, you ought to dress so your testimony of Jesus is, is, is obvious. 
The truth of the matter is, if just dressing right uh, makes you a Christian, then Jehovah's Witness would look pretty good when, out there, when they're passing out the watchtowers. Truth of the matter is, there's a lot of folks that, that would make, that's not, that's not, those are things we do because it's an inside out. It starts with your thinking, your mind, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I think the third thing that God tells us, he knows this is our will for us, is that we be separated from the world. In the world, but not the world in me. Very distinctively different. Christians are not perfect, but they should be distinctively different. And it should start with my brain. Start with my thinking processes. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Thinking like him. And he said, boy, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy. That's a, that's a school of thought. Through philosophies, through traditions of man, through the rudiments of world, and not after Christ. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 8. So three things we know that God says, this is true. What's the good and acceptable and perfect? Will of God. Will of God is that we be separated. Will of God is we be submissive to God and our authorities. The will of God is that we be saved and soul conscious that other people might get saved. Now let's take our Bibles if we can, please, and let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. If you're in Romans, go toward the back of your Bible, and you'll find 1 Thessalonians after Colossians. Chapter number 4, we'll look at verse number 1. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren... Exhort you by the Lord Jesus that ye, as if you're, I'm sorry, that as ye have received of us how you ought to walk and to what? That ye would abound more and more. He said, boy, you want to make sure. Uh, I am, he's going on. He's talking in every, in every uh, at the end of every chapter of 1 Thessalonians. He reminds them that Jesus is coming. That Jesus is coming. That blessed hope. He's, he's coming for us. And because of that, make sure that you walk in such a way that your actions, your attitudes, your associations, your friends, you're pleasing the Lord. He's happy with you. It doesn't matter if pastor's happy with you. What matters is if God's happy with you. He needs to be the one. He needs to make sure you walk in to please him. I had a friend of mine years ago that encouraged us to, to put a little thing on a three-by-five card, please him, please him. He said, put it on your mirror. Put it on your, on your dashboard at your car. Please him. John chapter 8 and verse 29 Jesus said this, I do all those things that please the Father. If it makes God happy, I'm happy. Jesus, when he got baptized, why did he get baptized? Because he said, this is my beloved son whom I am well. He goes, I'm happy with him. Why would you get baptized after you got saved? Because it pleases the Lord. Why, why would, you, why would you, you live for the Lord? Because it makes him happy. Well, that's, that's the context here. Let's look at verse number 2. For ye know the commandments that we gave you by the Lord Jesus. I'm just reiterating what Jesus told us. Now, verse number 3, let's all have all the ladies read that. Verse 3, you ready? For this is the will of God. That's how all the men and the ladies read it together. Verse 3, ready? For this is the even... That every one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence. Concupiscence is not a word we use, but it means a longing for things that we know is forbidden. Okay, that's, that's pornography. You know you're not supposed to look at someone that is not your spouse and not your wife or not your husband. You're not supposed to text somebody or 
do something flirtatious with someone who is not your spouse, that's concupiscence. It's creating a longing for something you know you're not supposed to do. It's going to a casino. It's going to places that you know that you're not supposed to be there. It's that resisting temptation, rather avoiding temptation, rather than trying to resist it. Well, you create appetites for things. You get by yourself with someone who's not your spouse. Uh, you're with your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You set up in a, in a scenario. You're going to create desires for something that you know is wrong. God's already told you how he feels about it. Drinking socially and all that stuff. I just not supposed to get drunk. No, you, if, you don't get, if you don't drink, you won't get drunk. <laughs> you create that environment, that party atmosphere that creates more lasciviousness and more challenges. He said, look, not in the lust of concupiscence, like the way the world lives. That's what they do. It's all about getting us attracted to things that we shouldn't do. And the devil's always got that. He, he attacks us with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All right, let's go back to the will of God there. We see it, and the rest of it talks about um, not living like unsaved people, the Gentiles, which know not God. Verse number 6, that no man go beyond to fraud his brother in any matter, because that he, the Lord is avenger of all such, and we are forewarned you and testified. He said, you ought to care about your brother enough to live pure and to live holy. Uh, girls, I think this is a great context in which your dress code is important. You want to protect those sexual zones of your body. A, a girl's thigh is very attractive to a man. They know that. they got many skirts. It's, it, it, you girls, like you may not see anything about that. I promise you, men see something about that. That's why you want to dress modestly. That's why you want to protect those things and not defraud somebody. And it, it goes both ways. Sometimes men... Maybe you would not, you would not, uh, def you know, defraud someone with some kind of a, a dress, but maybe with flirtatious comments and, and touches and things of that nature. He says, no, don't do that. Know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor. Why? Because it's the will of God. Look at verse number three, would you please? For this is the, this is clear, this is God's will for our life. Even your that you should abstain from fornication. Be clean. Uh, when we cook, a, you cook a meal, and you make, you make, you put all the food on the plates. When you get done, you got plates that are dirty. And what you're going to do is you're going to put them under the sink, and you're going to put soap on that on that uh, utensil. You're going to wash those plates. You're going to rinse them. You're going to dry them, and you'll set them back in the cabinet. What you have done, you have sanctified that plate. You have cleaned it, and you got it ready to use again. And God wants to do the same thing with me and the same thing with you. And he says, that's why in First Timothy or 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, in a great house there are many vessels, vessels of gold and silver and some of wood and some of earth. But really what matters with that is not necessarily if you're a gold vessel or a, or a wood or a clay, what matters if you're clean. <laughs> he says, you've got to purge yourself. You've got to clean yourself and sanctify yourself so that you'll be a, meat, a, a vessel meat for the master's use. God wants us to be clean. God's will for us, his will is that we be sanctified, clean from, from immoral behavior and methods that are questionable. And motives that are questionable. You've got to ask yourself, is my motive, or my motive pure? Are my morals pure? Am I clean? And, and do I have anything that I need to deal with? You got something on your phone? Listen, you're, you're crazy if you think 
that you can live a moral life uh, on a diet of watching every the film that the young, that people put out today. You can't live a moral life on that junk. The perverse words that come out of the mouth, the, the, the innuendos, the sexual language, the sexual things that take place, they know it. And if you think you're going to keep a pure mind watching every YouTube that comes down the thing or everything that's on Instagram or everything that's on those things, you've got, you got to decide. You cannot, you can't take garbage in without getting garbage out. Your eyes cannot help but, but, but your mouth can't help but speak of the things that you've seen and you've heard. This world is full of it. It's just like a sewage coming out of Hollywood and, and so many things. And if you're not careful, young people and old people alike, some of us would think, oh, you know what, when I'm old, I can handle that. No, you can't. You can't handle that. Well, I'm married now. I can handle that. That's a lie. Every one of us ought to live our life in sanctification and honor. Why? Because it's the will of God. It's the will of God that we be saved and so conscious. The will of God that we be submissive to God and our authorities. It's God's will that we be separated, thinking differently in the world. It's God's will that we be um, here sanctified, clean with our morals and our motives. Then let's look at the last one, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Same book. Look across the page there. We're going to look at verse number um, 15, see that none render evil to evil to any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourself and to all men. Rejoice. How long? Always ought to have a spirit of joy. Pray. How long? Yeah, always and constantly in talking to the Lord. Now, verse 18 is our text. Let's look at it and read it together with me. In everything. So what is the will of God there in verse 18? That I be grateful, I be satisfied and thankful for the place that God's put me, for the people God's put me with, for the pace that God has me on, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with that. I'm going to be thankful. Someone said when the fires of gratitude die out in the heart of a man or heart of a woman, that, that person's well nigh hopeless. You can't help a, gram, a grumbling, complaining, ungrateful Christian. Is it because the will of God is that I be thankful? Expressing that gratitude in everything, in everything that you're going through and in everything that goes on. Lord, I can thank you. You know, the Bible tells in James chapter 1, count it all when you fall into divers. Diverse means different kinds of trials. No, I don't like trials. I think I'm allergic to pain. <laughs> I hate pain. I hate trials. I hate problems. I want to have every day be a sunshiny day. But that's not always what happens. He says, well, you, when you have a problem, not thank God necessarily, oh, oh, Lord, I just thank you for this terrible pain. But you might want to say, Lord, thank you for what you're going to teach me through this. Well, you know what pain will cause you to do? It'll cause you to be empathetic to other people. Well, I remember being so frustrated whenever the traffic jam and the ambulance are going and police are like, ah, man, I'm not going to get my appointment until I realized that a lot of people were held up one night on August the 15th when our son passed away on the side of the road because they were parked for probably 45 minutes, two hours, hours waiting for them to scoop him up and put him into a coroner's vehicle. Well, I changed my whole attitude about now I know that when I hear a siren, when there's a traffic jam, when there's a someone hurt, somebody's going to get a phone call, and it may not be good. 
Somebody's going to find out that their loved one's in the emergency room on critical condition or someone's going to get a call from the coroner. And it may not be all about my hurry to get someplace. It might be about someone else's suffering. Pain has a way of doing that. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. You say, Pastor, now we, well, let's talk about my specific customized plan for me. Okay, we, we understand, okay, there's five things. You told me, Pastor, it's talking about salvation and being soul winners and being submissive and being separated and being sanctified and, and clean in my morals and my motives and then being satisfied and thankful with God's pace and his place and the people he has me with. Okay, all right, now. Now, what about what am I, what's God want me to do? What about the plan of God? Here's, I think, a beautiful secret. If you will be faithful to the will of God, God will lead you in his plan for your life. And I don't know where you're going to be in five years. You don't know where I'm going to be. I won't know where I'm going to be in five minutes. But you know what I can be in the right place? If I'll be what God wants me to be, I will do what God wants me to do in the place he wants me to do it, with the people he wants me to do it with. God will lead us. If we'll be in God's will, He'll help us do God's plan because the, 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 the plan of God is very customized. You won't miss it if you can stay in those five quadrants, or those, not quadrants, but whatever, quintets, whatever. Somebody who does math, tell me what that is. You got it figured out, Brother Cowling? You don't remember the question, do you, Brother? Okay. You know, pastors, you know, people talk, uh, some people talk in their sleep, pastors talk in other people's sleep. You know, that's just kind of what happens sometimes. Nonetheless, you stay in those five categories of purity, soul consciousness, separation, sanctification, satisfied and grateful. You're not going to miss what God has for your plan.